This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612-341-4141. Phil Mackey. He's a professional wrestler on the microphone. Yep. He's grandiose. He's authoritative. It's sort of corny. Judd Zolgad. He's been there for like eight years. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Ah, that's right. This week in baseball, that must mean one thing. Derek Wetmore joins us now uh, to talk about the Twins and the goings-on around the MLB. Uh, Derek, I didn't realize until uh, Murph brought this up to me, one week from today... Right. The Twins will uh, take the field in Fort Myers, pitchers and catchers at least, uh, to start their workouts. The crack of the leather. Yeah, so uh, so let's start with this. Young Ho Park. A year ago, Mr. Park was the focus of spring training. I'm sure a year ago at this time, we were talking about him, talking about the expectations. Was he going to play first? DH? Hit home runs left and right? And uh, last week, the Twins uh, DFA him. What is, so is the expectation that he is now going, because uh, they, they can try and trade him, which I doubt that they'll be successful in doing, is the expectation now that uh, that they are going to try and drop him entirely, or is there a good chance uh, that if he passes through the entire system that he shows up in Fort Myers, just not on the uh, the uh, roster, yeah, 40-man I, roster? No, yeah, I think that's much more likely. If you can keep him in the organization... Um, because there's still some upside there. I think that's the part that kind of got lost. A, a lot of people, when they were evaluating this move, they talked about how terrible of a season he had last year and that you know he really fell off a cliff production-wise. I, I still see the signs that made it an interesting signing at the time. Of course, there's a year of Major League data now, and it, it didn't work out for the Twins or for Park in his first taste of the big leagues. But I still think that the power's very real. I still think that when he makes contact, he makes hard contact. He just needs to make more contact. He can't swing and miss as much as he did last year and still have a successful career. I still see, however, if you can have him as Rochester's DH and he's just kind of a depth bat, well, there's definitely still some intrigue in Byung-Ho Park. Well, doesn't it seem like the new regime came in, took a look at that data, took a look at all the tape, took a look at what he did or did not do and said, we're just not going to waste time with this. Yeah, a little bit, but I, I also kind of see it as a the, the the market speaking because there's a guy like Chris Carter who hit 41 home runs last year, and he gets pulled off a roster. He's still a free agent. Mm-hmm. Mike Napoli hits a career high, was at 34 home runs last year. He's still looking for work. Uh uh, I almost said Tony Batista. Jose Batista took a long time to I've find done that work. Before. Don't T- worry about Tony it. Batista still looking for work. Um, Jose Batista takes a long time to sl- uh, sign, and he's one of the premier sluggers in baseball. I don't know if this is the market overcorrecting, saying, "Well, home runs ain't worth what they used to be." Yeah, but they're not worth nothing. And I think that we're seeing that sort of play out with several similar players still out in free agency. The Twins must have felt confident that. Okay, Byung Ho Park, he's going to add some power eventually, but we could probably get him through waivers right now. I, I think that could have been the thinking. If the Twins are going uh, to get a bat, what's your best guess? Uh, Napoli, you think? Well, no. I, I like the I like the idea, but if you give it some thought, the issue is 
is he going to to have been this patient and then sign with a bad team? Right. Because my guess is at, at his age, coming off the success that he had in Cleveland last year, he's going to look for a uh, for a team that can be successful, well, not not one where he's got got to be sort of a mentor. But they lose ninety five games. Yeah, the Rangers still continue to make the most sense for Mike Napoli, sure. and so I think that's where probably he'll ultimately land. I mean, it's it's. Uh, it's you just heard too much, right? There's been too many reports linking the two. Um, it's totally possible that there's a surprise team out there, right? Uh, agents love to peddle the old mystery team. Hey, there's a mystery team that might sign this guy, right? Um, I did write about Napoli over Twins Fest, and I think that it could make some roster sense for the Twins. I think if you're going to platoon him with Joe Maurer as sort of a first baseman DH kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And in that case, Napoli's probably only going to face left-handed hitters. Maybe that platoon makes some sense, but I'm also kind of just curious to see if they don't sign a bat. I, I think it makes much more sense for them to continue to sign pitching. And if they don't sign a bat, I'm curious to see what do they think about Kenny Vargas? What do they think about Joe Maurer? What do they think about Max Kepler? What kind of playing time are some of the people that are already on the roster what kind of playing time are they going to get this upcoming season? Because that will tell you a lot about not only what they think about those players, but what they think about themselves in terms of contention status in 2017. What is the conventional wisdom on Max Kepler coming into this season after what he was able to do for a concentrated period of time? There was a little bit of a slow fade, but still a heck of a debut. I love Max Kepler. I think he's going to be a great player. I've said on uh, this radio show, I think in the past, and for sure on the Touch Em All podcast. Your man crush is what you got. I think Max Kepler, and it's got nothing to do with the looks. It's him as a baseball player. Uh, Max Kepler is going to make... I mean, let's not hide that. There there is that element, too. Max Kepler is going to make multiple all-star teams, I think. I think he is the real deal in terms of prospect also showing up at the major leagues. I he got overshadowed, no doubt about it, because Byron Buxton and Miguel Sano were two of the top 10 prospects in all of baseball, all the way climbing up the ladder. Max Kepler, in a lot of other organizations, I think would have got a lot more noise. He would have been one of the top prospects, if not the top prospect, for a lot of different farm systems. The fact that he was behind those two guys, I don't think should overshadow the fact that he's going to be a good big league player, and I think we've already seen that. I People talk about sophomore slumps and that kind of thing. Kepler talked at Twins Fest about the fact that pitchers, at the end of the year, you mentioned the slide, pitchers started to exploit his weaknesses. They started to see, okay, there's a hole in the swing here. Let's not give him the pitch he can hit. Let's make him prove that he can hit that. And Kepler didn't adjust quite as well as you would have liked. But he was a rookie. I think that he's smart enough and he works hard enough and he's got the minor league track record not to mention a manager who has really just, I think, been great for Kepler in terms of thinking about the game, slowing the game down, figuring out why counts matter and how to play the percentages and figuring out what a pitcher's trying to do to you. I think Kepler has it all put together, and he is um, hes one of the underrated pieces uh, for why the Twins could be surprise contenders in 2017. Of this uh, core group of young guys, as we enter spring training, Derek, who are you most curious about? And I mean that in, in, in the sense of curious and potentially concerned. So if you take Sanoa now sure. at, at third base, Buxton in center, and Buxton uh, certainly had a strong end to the year last year. Uh, Sanoa will at least be back at a position with which he's played before. So you take out the whole right field experiment. But if we go around and look at this core young group, who are you who are you the most curious about? And you're curious because you think there's a potential that they will either go backwards or not make uh, steps forward. Three players fit into that description perfectly for me. And the first, the top of the list is Miguel Sano, just because I think the range is so great. How, you know, 
how could what would be the worst case scenario besides him getting injured and missing significant time? Well, uh, he continues to strike out a lot. The power starts to fade, and he can't play third base. That's the worst case scenario. Other that's, than that, right? That's pretty bad. You wouldn't want that if you're the Twins or if you're Sano. And and if if you break that down, I think option three could happen. The third base thing could yeah. it could not be great. The power, I don't think, is going away. No, right. And the the strikeouts are going to be there. I, I think the question becomes: Can the power justify the strikeouts? Right. Yeah. My only point is that the downside is is fairly down there, and even if you count. The downside, like last year, you might consider a down year for him, and I'd argue he was great. He, he had an excellent offensive season last year. Uh, the right field thing obviously didn't work out, and third base didn't work out either. He was terrible at third base. But the upside, so the flip side of that coin, the upside of Miguel Sano is superstar, like no no doubt about it. We're talking 40, 45 home runs. We're talking a guy who gets on base all the time, who draws walks at an incredible rate, and who can play at least serviceable defense at third base. That's a pretty wide range. So that's why he's the top of my list, because I'm curious to see about third base more than anything. Mm -hmm. Byron Buxton's number two for me on that list, because Byron Buxton also has superstar potential. I've written a couple columns this offseason saying that very thing, that both of those guys at their age and their level of development are potential superstars in the making and people think I'm being a homer it's not the case both of these guys are some of the most intriguing young players in all of baseball the twins happen to have both of them the third guy on that list for me Judd in terms of what's the upside what's the downside is Jorge Polanco I think Jorge Polanco for a shortstop will be one of the better hitters in baseball but can he play shortstop very much an open question right now I think it's possible that he can because he's shown some of the skills, Mm -hmm. but he hasn't done it consistently. He hasn't shown over a full season that he can not only field the ball because I think his hands are okay. It's when he rushes those throws that he's either spiking it into the dirt or throwing it into the 10th row behind the first baseman. You can't have either of those as your everyday shortstop. So I'm probably just as curious about Polanco defensively as I am about Sano, but those three guys are the top of the list in terms of intrigue. Assuming the Twins don't bring in another bat, uh, at least another bat that can DH and play first base, what's at stake for Kenny's Vargas? Um, his career, <laughs> um, everything. Yeah. He is the his life. Well, I don't know about. I don't know that I'd go that far. Sounds but, good, Derek. Yeah, certainly his professional uh, ambitions. I think that. I think that Kenny Vargas still has the potential to be an impact player, but I've just seen enough concerns or uh, possible worries that I wouldn't put that as like a very high percentage. I, I'd say it's probably about less than 50-50 that Kenny Vargas makes it as an as an everyday impact player, but the chance still stands. He could be one of those powerful impact backs. We saw it in the middle of last summer. He impressed after the Twins signed Byung-Ho Park and basically kicked him out, out of the DH role and said, all right, Kenny, you've been passed up. He just, okay, uh, you know, I accept that. He wasn't happy about it at the end of spring training, but he accepted it. He went to Rochester. He worked his way back up to the big leagues, and he put on a show in the power department. That being said, there are enough holes, there are enough concerns, enough question marks that I still wonder if it's going to work out for him long term, and this is honestly the final year that you have to figure it out because this will be his last option year if you're the, you're the twin. So you, you kind of have to know what he is in 2017 and figure that out this Spe- year. Speaking of first base, how much will Joe Maurer play in the coming season? We'll discuss that. We'll get back to more twins discussion in just a second here on the Touch em All podcast. But first... 
A couple quick points we want to make, a couple quick reminders. Number one, if you're not subscribed to the Touch Em All podcast on iTunes, it's super easy to click the subscribe button and get the latest episodes right to your smartphone. Uh, I use an iPhone. I have the iTunes podcast app and everything I want, sports, non-sports, whatever it may be, and for you, the Touch Em All podcast, right to your smartphone. So subscribe to us and help us out on iTunes. Number two, we ask that if you like this and you got Twins fans, friends, Share it with them. Let them know, hey, there's a new Twins podcast out there. Hey, guys, before we continue on with the rest of this Touch em All podcast, it's Phil Mackey here for all of you Twin Cities area listeners to tell you about Luther Brookdale Toyota. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard is the location. My family and I have been going to this car dealership and service department for three-plus decades And there's a reason for that. It's the best in the business, the smartest and friendliest people in the business. They'll treat you like family. So find out why my family and I have been going to the same dealership and service department for multiple decades, right on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Mackie and Judd are back. What? Oh, no, 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 no. No, we're just sitting in awkward silence. On 1500 ESPN. Ready for another chance to earn points and score some amazing prizes? Your 1500 ESPN rewards. Listen and win code is revealed now. Collect points, grab prizes, 1500 ESPN rewards, 1500ESPN.com, 100 points. For entering the listen and win code today, you can use the points. How about a chance to enter to win a digital download of season one of the HBO comedy High Maintenance? Today's code for 1215 is Napoli. Napoli, as in Mike Napoli, who the rumors are is progressing towards a one-year deal with the Texas Rangers. Bummer. Enter correctly. Get rewarded for listening. 1500 ESPN Rewards. 1500ESPN.com. Mackie and Judd is actually Murphy and Judd today, Wednesday and Friday. Tom uh, Tom Pellicero will be in for Phil the vacationing Phil on a Thursday. Derek Wetmore joining us now uh, to talk some twins. Okay. I'm not trying to start something here, Derek. But but we knew where that was going. But we know that, <laughs> but we know that Molitor came on this show a few months back yeah. and I definitely said I probably played Joe Maurer too much last year and I'm going to look to fix that this year. So as we uh, get set for the start of spring training, what is a realistic, calm conversation to have about what the expectations should be for a Joe as far as playing. And do you think that Molitor was referring uh, to first base and DH, or do you think that he was basically saying, I'm going to pick a number of games for him to play, and it's going to be a combination of first base, DH? I'm asking you to go very deep here, but I'm curious what you think. I think, well, and and I'm just trying to get over the fact that you said I'm not trying to start something here, and then you bring up the the lightning rod. Uh, I'm not trying to start anything here, but is LeBron James the greatest player ever, or does Michael still hold the title? However, the $23 million (laughs) is not well spent. So, uh, well, we can both agree on that, that Joe Maurer is overpaid at this point, but... That doesn't mean he's worthless. I think that this narrative has taken off and and got this head of steam that it doesn't really deserve. I will say, if I were if I were like penciling in in you know on April first to say, all right, in a couple of days the season's going to start. How many games do I want to see Joe Maurer in the lineup? I think it'd be like a hundred and ten. I think he'd sit a lot. You mentioned DH. 
I don't really think that they view DH as a day off for Maurer as much as they would for some other players. It's possible that Joe Maurer sitting is going to be actually Joe Maurer sitting, and maybe he's available to pinch hit late in the game. One thing that was interesting about his 2016 season, Judd, is that for his entire career, he's basically been uh, you know, a great hitter, and one of the reasons is because he's been excellent against lefties. A lot of left-handed hitters can't hit left-handed pitching. It's just the way it goes. Joe Maurer was immune to that. He was fantastic at hitting left-handed pitching. That wasn't the case in 2016. He he took a big, giant step backwards against lefties. He hit 224 against lefties all of last year, and that includes his great months of uh, April and August. I think that if you're plotting and figuring out a way to get some of those plate appearances against lefties to go somewhere else, that might not be the worst thing in the world for the Twins and for Joe Maurer, for that matter. So I'd look at, what, maybe like have him play two-thirds of the games and let somebody else play against lefties, whether it's Vargas, whether it's Park. Um, You mentioned Mike Napoli, but as we said last segment, I don't think Napoli in Minnesota makes all the sense in the world. I might try to find some other way to work those plate appearances around and not make Maurer an everyday player anymore. What what we know of or what you know of Joe Maurer as a hitter and as his his approach, his makeup and all that, he's never really been a guy coming off the bench for pitch hitting roles. What what based on what we know of his track record and his makeup, what what would he be like in that situation coming up in the ninth inning against a closer? I think he's capable. I think the one thing that you can continue to say, no matter what the stats page shows for Joe Maurer, and we've seen declining results. Trust me, I'm not ignoring that. Every time Maurer goes to the plate, he has this consistent plan, and he's going to try to get a pitch that he can hit, and he's going to try to do damage on it. Now, sometimes that turns into a dribbler to second base or that little slow roller up the middle, and that's no good. But more than any player on the Twins roster over the past, I'll say, even five years, I can't think of anybody else who goes up there and you're like, yeah, all right, he's not going to crap his pants in the moment, and that's Joe Maurer. I think in the ninth inning against a closer, if he got called in to pinch hit against a righty, Maurer would be great in that role. Now, if you think he's a good enough hitter that he would thrive in that role, maybe you want to give him a little more playing time. Maybe you want to give him the plate appearances. I don't buy into the old Earl Weaver theory of make sure you got a great bat on the bench just in case you need him as a pinch hitter. I think you'd rather have that guy get four or five plate appearances throughout the game. But there is something to be said about on days that Maurer's not starting, potentially against a left-handed starter, that... He's then a very good pinch hitter against righties late in games, and I think he'd be fully capable of handling that role. So if he plays at two-thirds of the games, do we think uh, in reality that he won't start to break down then? I mean, is is that the key? Because there are there have been times the last two years oh, I see what you mean. Where, where in April he starts off really well, and you say to yourself, okay, it's, so, it's sort of back. It's not great, but it's it's back. And then he goes into one of these May swoons, right, Derek? And then, But then around sometime, I don't know, he sits out a little bit or goes on the DL, and then around June or July, it comes back. But it's always fleeting. So basically what the Twins' philosophy, I think, is going to be is, is how can we capture that for an extended period of time yeah. by not playing him too much? Are you convinced if they do that, it's going to work? Or are you skeptical and you think that the course of the season is going to take its toll uh, at some point in time, based on on what we've seen over the last couple of years, which is a guy who goes, who just starts to sort of physically break down. I yeah. think. I think that's the hope that he would maintain that level. Sure, it is. But but do, you, but do you buy it? I think it's wishful thinking. I think that that's what's interesting. I think the season just kind of wears on you, no matter what, whether you're playing every day or not. Like yes. there's just a lot that goes into being a professional baseball player and getting up and doing it every single day. Yes, I think. 
It's worth a try, though. I, I mean, it, absolutely. If you're Paul Molitor, it makes a ton of sense to try to r- sprinkle in some more off days. They did that with Tory Hunter. Nobody likes to talk about it because everyone wants to be the Iron Man. Brian Dozier wants to be the Iron Man. But tell you what, he might be better off if he gets a day off here and there. That's a pride thing, too. Absolutely. That's a complete, no doubt. That, that's a complete Because you're pride. not an everyday player anymore. Here's the other yeah. thing. Joe Maurer, a lot of people think he won't have pride about this. I guarantee he will. Oh, I, I guarantee will. he'll I, bristle yes. at this kind of role this reduction. Is gonna be, this is going to be a conversation. Absolutely. You are not going to have Joe walk in and say, Jay, guess what, Joe? Two-thirds of, of the games. Okay, sounds good, Skip. All fantastic. Yeah, no. No, this is going to be a, pro, a, a conversation that is, I don't think, going to be simple, and it's going to take someone with authority to say, no, no, this is what we are doing. It's going to be uncomfortable, and I think that it's worth a try if you're Paul Molitor. You might need a liaison if you're Paul Molitor. You know, two Cretan guys, Minnesota-born, superstars. Sure. If anything, I I don't know. Maybe he doesn't need a liaison because of that. He's known him since he was a kid. I know, but I would think that that relationship just, It, just, it predates the decline. Yeah. And Molitor... Having never really, like you guys can appreciate this more because you saw his career firsthand. I've only seen the numbers and stuff, but Paul Molitor, I mean, he had the injuries early in his career and stuff, but it's not like there was this huge decline at the end. Like he had to deal with this sort of reality of being a mere mortal. Paul Molitor was sort of always Paul Molitor, right? Joe Maurer now has had to contend with and wrestle with this new reality. Brian, I thought you captured it beautifully last year in this profile piece that he's no longer... Joe Maurer, the way we once knew him, right? And that's a difficult reality for anybody to So accept. then maybe it makes sense for, for uh, Falvey or Levine to be the hatchet man, I right? think somebody's I mean, got to be the bad guy. I think, And, and that conversation is going to be uncomfortable, and I think it needs to happen that Maurer's now a part-time player. And that's probably how, now, Derek. Maybe. And that's how you maximize his I value I call him in, in January and say, this is it. I mean, this is, this is, what, we're, this is what our plan is. Because the plan makes sense. And, and I'm with you, Derek. I don't know what's going to work, yeah, but it's, it's at least worth a shot. Because what we're seeing year after year now is what? Gets off to a pretty good start, regresses, at some point in time sort of comes back. But And last year was the injury late in the season. Don't forget, he yes. strained his quad. And that yes. was a significant injury that gets overlooked. I think it's a good idea, though. I think it's at least worth, worth a try. And it also opens up the potential late season move, if it's not going to work at third base, to start you love Playing. this. Sano's a first baseman. Sano is long term a first love. baseman. Okay, so Miguel Sano's a first baseman. We've he had this first baseman so many times, Brian. I'll just fill you in on like a nutshell version of it. Is Judd has seen like a sprinkling of games of Sano at third base and decided he can never play third base. No. He won't be a third baseman. It's not even worth trying it this year. Start moving him to first base. He's a DH long term. Judd does not. He's not curious it's not. about seeing Sano at third base. I want to see no. before we decide no. he can't you've play. Seen, you've seen the body type at third base yes. enough to it's know concerning. that that body type is a first baseman and long, long term, it, it's the body type of a DH. It's concerning, but I'll give him a shot. That's true, I've but that doesn't it. mean it can't work for a year or two at sure. third. Yeah. Right, right, but my point is this. I want to have a contending team in two or three years, right? Fair I, enough. I want to put out the best team possible to contend. Miguel Sano trying to play third base is not my ideal. That's where I disagree with you. My idea, my ideal is if I'm going to have a contending team, my ideal is the body type of a guy like Sano ends up at first base. That's where I disagree with you because I think if he can play reasonably well at third base, he is so much... He's, vastly better than his competition at third base as an offensive player. So if he can hold his own there, he stands out among his peer group much more than he would if he were playing first base where his peer group 
are all hitting 35, 40, 45 home runs, I want and my he's defense, not special. I want my defense to be good, though. Yeah, and so if Sano's a part of that, great. If he's not, well, then you have to have the plan B conversation. Yeah. Right now, I think the Twins focus on plan A, hope he can play third base and still hit 40 bombs. That's the best-case scenario. Real quick, too, how about Kenny's Vargas, a right-handed hitter uh, against lefties? I mean, is he... The plug there if Maurer's on the bench. I think that makes some sense. I mean, as a switch hitter, you always kind of wonder. You, you talk with switch hitters, and they talk about how sometimes one of your swings can go into a slump and the other one's fine. I'm curious to see what Vargas is when he gets regular plate appearances, regular playing time. Um, yeah, if they're not going to sign Mike Napoli, maybe that's the the fit that makes sense. It's not a perfect fit. It's not a very natural platoon setting, but the Twins might just have to figure something out there. And, and Kenny Vargas is probably their best option right now. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Derek. Thanks, guys.